This time in the Magic Kitchen, we are joined by Evo Dominguez Jr. I'm Leander Witchwood. And I'm Elise Wells. And welcome to the Magic Kitchen Podcast, where we talk about magic, kitchen witchcraft, herbs, and everything in between. Magic Kitchen Podcast is funded and supported by thewitchwoodteahouse.com, offering a variety of hand-blended loose leaf teas, as well as loose herbs for all of your ritual, spell work, wellness, and everyday enjoyment needs. If you would like to support this podcast while sipping a great cup of tea, head over to thewitchwoodteahouse.com and find the magic that's in store for you. Okay. Hey, so what's going on, Elise? We have, we're ending February. <laughs> I feel like this has been a really long month. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I don't know. I It's so different here in Greece because I keep seeing memes online like, oh, only five more weeks of cold, horrible weather. And I'm like, oh, it's spring here. Uh, like, yeah. it's... It's not bad here, but I also really miss snow. So I I feel like cheated of that. But also at this point, it's I'm ready for the spring vibes. So yeah, and, and it's good. Like a lot of things are happening. So I am happy about that. Good. Folks might have seen my next workshop is announced. It is March 23rd, Walking with Spirit Guides. And not I don't talk about this too much because it's very personal, um, but... I have had my spirit guide with me as my best friend. I thought she was my imaginary friend when I was a little kid. And as I grew up, you know, she revealed more and more of herself and more of that dynamic and what she's here for. And, you know, it's been a lifelong relationship. And I don't think enough people have that blessing. So this workshop is really to help people feel confident and trusting with their guide to allow them to come forward because they're there. Like it's a cliche, but it's true that every single person, everybody, you listener (laughs) has a spirit guide. (laughs) I promise you, I promise you. And they are with you and they're knocking at the glass, but you need to be ready to let them in. That's the biggest thing. And once you do, it changes your life. So this, this workshop is really, it's pretty personal. It's the most personal I've gotten even my last spirit guides workshop I did a year ago, it was a co-hosted workshop and it, it was just a different energy. And, and I've sat with, with my spirit guide about this for almost a year. And it was like, you know, how can mm-hmm. we, how can we share what we do? How can we make this <laughs> accessible? How can we make this not sound woo woo? You know, like it's, it's real, it's, right. it's second nature for me. So it, yeah. this is, this workshop's going to be a culmination of a life's path. So I'm really I'm really like humbled to have something like this to share with everybody. That sounds awesome. Yeah. And there's still some early bird tickets left. So hop on it. Okay. And yeah. 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 Awesome. Just to, just to comment on the snow. I'm ready for spring. I'm done with the snow. <laughs> <laughs> we 
we've had plenty out here. I'm done with it. I know. I saw that recently. You guys had like a, a surprise mm-hmm. snow, and like yeah. yeah, that's that's a fun one to do magic with, though. Like, did you get to collect? Any? It is. It is. I didn't, but I was out in it. Um, like today, Stacy and I walked in it and went into the woods, which was good. Awesome. I needed that. Yeah, it was it was just warm enough, but just cold enough where your nose still runs. But <laughs> no, I love but it wasn't that. Bad, like, and then you go inside and you feel yourself yeah. warm up slowly, and like your nose is the yes. last thing to warm up, and it's just like this little kiss of like, "I'll see you later" from the cold yeah, weather. I'll see I don't you know. Later. It's I, I really yeah. romanticize. No, that's snow. cool. I love, I love that. It. <laughs> <laughs> well, yeah. It's so we, I don't know. We were out there for maybe an hour and a half, just cruising around and. Um, then, um, yeah. So yeah, I'm done with the snow though. Like I'm ready for spring. (laughs) I'll send some your way. Or I know, please like send some, well, next, next week, um, we're supposed to have like 60 degree weather. So it's, you know, spring is coming slowly and I'm ready for it. Like we didn't have the hard winter, so I really have nothing to complain about. It's just, I'm done with snow. (laughs) (laughs) But yeah, in the magic kitchen, I have. Um, not in the magic kitchen, the, the Witchwood tea house, I have a bunch of stuff going on, but also with women's circles and stuff like that, I have those lining up. So if you're interested, if you have a space, like I'm interested in traveling a little bit, but, um, like it's the, um, the vibration from the one I did at the serpent's key is continuing. So I am setting things up, trying to get as, in as many places as I can to offer these. So the, the circles that I offer, they're weird because they're not solely women's circles. They're kind of a workshop hybrid ritual. And that's fun for me. And I know a lot of people are like, what does that mean? Well, you have to experience it. But, <laughs> you know, we sit, we we discuss knowledge, we discuss folklore, tell stories, Um we drink tea and then we get into a ritual where we incorporate the knowledge. And it's it's a reflection of what I do already in the Rebel Mystic community with our monthly rituals, but in person, which it, I don't know, it's just so much more profound when you're face to face and sitting in a circle with other women and other people who are focused on the same task. Um, but other outside of that, outside of the the events, I am working with mushrooms more and more. I have been researching them for the past year like heavily like I do my herbs and now I'm starting to make tinctures with them and I've been testing a blend that has lion's mane reishi turkey tail and um cordyceps and just I'm loving it like this is a game changer why we have you know, this limited knowledge on mushrooms. And it's only been a topic of serious investigation for the maybe 60 years now um, is beyond me, but they, they're, they're so profound and using them in with my herbs and spices and my tea blends and making tinctures of them. It's becoming this new thing for me that I'm so excited. I, I haven't launched any of it yet, but I do have the Rishi on my website if you're interested in some of that and i yeah i'm blown away (laughs) i love working with these guys (laughs) so elise and i just talked about plant allies and mushroom allies in the pantry in one of our bonus episodes if you are a member you can go check that out and this is where we talk about 
you know, how to connect with them, how to use them, how to connect with these allies, if, even if you can't grow your own and, you know, the kind of the myth behind having to grow your own. Mm-hmm. So that's a really helpful little tidbit of, a, you know, what a half hour discussion yeah. that we had. <laughs> yeah, these monthly bonus episodes are so fun because you suggest mm-hmm. the topics, you, the listener, suggest the topics. Right. So, and it's yes. an ongoing thread. So when you join our community space, you get to comment and say, okay, I'd like a topic on this. And and it starts discussion. Right. And then we also yes. do the episode. So it's always nice because yeah. it is a community. So we get the discussion mm-hmm. element before you get the bonus episode. So right. it's, it's really, really nice. And I was really... It was fun the way that went because the question originally was about plan allies and right. how how you, how Leandra incorporates them in her teas. And then we were like, well, we got to talk about mushrooms and, you know, how they're not plants. So it's, yeah, yeah. it's a really. And how important they are. It's a huge topic. Yeah. I think we have an episode <laughs> coming out on that <laughs> in the coming I th- months. Yeah, I think it's going to be, yeah, we could probably talk for hours on that. But yeah, we'll definitely do an episode on <laughs> the idea of these plant allies and how we're, how we we can better utilize them for our craft. Evo Dominguez Jr. has been active in the magical community since 1978. He is one of the founders of Keepers of the Holly Chalice, the first assembly of the Sacred Wheel Coven. He currently serves as one of the elders in the assembly. Evo is the author of several books, including The Four Elements of the Wise and Practical Astrology for Witches and Pagans. In his mundane life, he has been a computer programmer, the executive director of an AIDS slash HIV service organization, a bookstore owner, and many things. Visit him at evodominguezjr.com, and we will put that in the notes as well. Yeah, so welcome. welcome. <laughs> Glad to be here. It's, it's good to have you here. And it's also... We were talking about this a little bit before we started recording. It's really wonderful to have you here as an elder in the craft. Um, your latest project is the Witch's Sun Sign series. So yep. people are from every sign are able to dive into your astrological knowledge. And and I like that they're so clear and concise as books. Mm-hmm. Um, so, but on the other hand, we're excited to have you here to go deeper on, on you know, your your path, your knowledge, and your background. Yeah. Help me understand astrology because I'm so <laughs> illiterate. <laughs> so um, it's it's not a very big hidden agenda, but I've been trying to uh, make uh, witchcraft and astrology have a common ground more frequently. Um, when I first got into the craft, uh, the people I was around used astrology a lot. So I just assumed that everywhere in the universe, pagans and witches everywhere were using astrology in different ways. And I discovered that wasn't true uh, as, as I got out into the world. So it has always been kind of one of my goals to be like the science guy or the Carl Sagan or the Neil Tyson deGrasse that, uh, of, of, of astrology for pagans, because honestly, um, there's a lot of useful material in it. And j- I compare it to math. Everybody needs just enough math for whatever it is that they need in their life. And it may be no more than their checking account, right? <laughs> I think that, but most of the people that are hardcore astrologers, 
I suppose I could be considered a hardcore astrologer, but I know that when I am not amongst astrologers, that I need to speak in, in an intelligible language called English. And one of the problems is that uh, you have a lot of jargon and a lot of complicated terms and, and a whole expanse of possibilities that you don't need when you are just trying to figure out what the energy is going to be like during the ritual that you're about to do. Right. Or right, right. So, 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 so my goal is to not water it down, but actually present the parts that are foundational. And I don't know, you've probably run into three trillion uh tables of correspondence over the year that compare an herb or a crystal or mm -hmm. something to a planet or a sign. And you go, that's nice. Glad you brought that up because that's <laughs> something that I was, you know, pondering on. Because I love how they have this in the Witch's Sun sign books. You've got a breakdown of, you know, the herbs, but you also have the tarot cards associated, yep. the suits associated. And then you also have it really in two places. Because at the end of each book, Sandra Kynes has yep. her correspondences. Yep. They're not always the same. And I think that's a good thing for people to recognize is it's so not cut and dry. I'm, uh, how about uh, I'll, I'll give you my quick uh dinner party uh, story uh, of, of how to convey this idea. And then I'll shut up so you can ask questions and stuff. <laughs> so Let's pretend we're at a big dinner party that, uh, you know, some uh, big pagan name is, is hosting in their large palatial place. This is so much a fantasy. <laughs> um, and uh, I, I get to talking to people that I've ne never met before. And I run into you and uh, we have a, a chat about herbs because I also love herbs. And maybe 10 minutes later, I'm talking to somebody uh, about, oh, I don't know, Kabbalah. Or maybe five minutes after that, I'm talking to somebody about astrology. And then I run into somebody and we get into a, a long, long, passionate talk about crystals and stones. Afterwards, you if these people run into each other on the street, they're going to say, oh, no, no, he's totally an astrology guy. Oh, no, no, he's totally a crystals guy. So, so the thing is, different cultures, different paths, and different traditions are going to ask of that crystal, that herb, that thing, how can I use you? This is the way we do stuff. Here's the thing. Everything that exists in the physical world is a mixture of all the elements and, and a mixture also of all the planets and all the signs. So if you ask them the question of, can you help me with this? And they respond, yes, that doesn't mean it's the totality of who they are. So, yeah, uh, one of the reasons things have different uh, conf appearingly conflicting correlations and correspondences is because things can actually do more than one thing. And it's how you and how you tune into them and how you ask them to be present. Yeah, I love that. Yeah. It, well, it makes sense in the herbs aspect because I'm all about yes. the herbs. <laughs> I um, I'm a, a student of evolutionary herbalism, and part of the course that that we take within that master program is elemental herbalism and astro herbalism. So yep. he connects these herbs to the elements and to the mm -hmm. astrology, mm -hmm. and I still, you know, it still confuses me, but it, it helps me helps me translate a little bit better when I can say, oh, okay. So if I'm, if I want to work with Pluto, then I'm, I want peppermint mm -hmm. and that will help me like connect with that energy. So yeah, I get, I, yeah, I like that. <laughs> so, so that, you know, if nothing else, astrology is a useful language for magic. 
And everybody's heard the bit about if you could, if you know the name of something or the epithets for something, it gives you a way to connect with it or to call it, et cetera, et cetera. Think of astrology as a useful language for describing energy and energy patterns that you can then call upon. Mm, that's it. Because I read like way too fast. Like I love them. I read Gemini Witch, Cancer Witch, and Aries Witch. <laughs> In addition to Taurus Witch this week. Oh, my. And, like, I just dived in. Like, I I really, really enjoyed these books. And at first I was like, I might not because, you know, I have no Gemini in my chart, for example. But no. that really uh, didn't matter. At, we have all 12 signs. Just like we have all four elements within us, we have all 12 signs. It's just a matter of how much. Mm, yeah. Well, and and I, I kind of at this point I have to acknowledge I must somewhere because like I, you can see my little tabs in there. Gotcha. Like there was a lot that I resonated with and I, I honestly picked it up thinking I'm going to learn why I have a hard time with Gemini sometimes because <laughs> <laughs> I'm a Taurus and, and I'm also a Pisces moon, but a, a Leo rising. So I'm pretty mm -hmm. emotional, but also like, I'm not afraid to just get things done. All right. So imagine you're a Gemini for a moment. So you're zipping around the world collecting information, collecting experiences, and, you know, plotting them randomly on, on, the, on the vision board in your head, right? And then after you collect enough data, you take a step back and you look and you connect the dots and go, oh, it's a horse. So, so Geminis have to collect enough data points before they can come to a, a conclusion or a decision. Mm. And until then, and until they've collected enough information and actually the thing emerges and gels on its own, it's not there. Though, oh, though I, I will say that that uh, all of us have all 12 signs in, in different degrees. Uh, if we didn't, then it would be impossible for humans to communicate with each other. <laughs> you have to have just enough of, e of each energy so that you can resonate enough to it. Yeah. And, if it and if it bothers you, there's probably useful material there. Yeah. Yeah. Well, and like, exactly. We talk yeah. a lot about shadow work and, and, and understanding the, the way the ego guides us in that, like when we hit up against something and we, for some reason, feel very strongly about it one way or the other, that's something to lean into. Like, so that I enjoyed yeah, that yeah. about Gemini, which, and then I also noticed, cause I went through and looked at my friends list on Facebook and saw like whose, whose birthdays were where, so that I kind of was like, <laughs> Okay, who is cancers in my life? The least, the sign with the least amount of friends were cancer. And I was like, that's really interesting. What in cancer do I somehow not attract? I don't know. <laughs> you know, it's um it's it's hard to say, or it may be the reverse. It may be that there's something in your energy that is uh uh frightening to cancers. <laughs> <laughs> I, I will say that it, the cancer book, it was the hardest to round up the writers for it. <laughs> That's, funny. That's great. That is really great. Well, and, I <laughs> which makes it, it kind of makes sense. You know, yeah. I want you to reveal things about yourself, you know, in this book. <laughs> <laughs> so, so it was Aries the most in, in, intense to write? Like <laughs> they, they all responded the fastest when I said, are you interested in? Yes. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> they, were, they were also they also were the ones that tended to actually keep within the word count and not go over yeah 
Yeah, that makes sense. I, I'm double Pisces with the Aries ascending. So I get that. Like if I'm if I'm on board, you'll hear from me immediately. You're, you're gonna hear it. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, Aries was actually the one outside of Taurus that I felt the most drawn to. Like it just clicked everything about yeah. it. I said, yep, yep, mm-hmm, yep. Yeah. Like it just all made sense. I have the most highlights for sure. Yeah. <laughs> and there. Yeah. And I've been using uh Diatima's grounding practice like since I read it. It's super good. Oh, I, I love Diatima. I've known her for many years. She's awesome. I could kind of pick up on on that connection. Like you're both elders in the craft. You're both so knowledgeable. And I felt like it came through really well mm. in Aries Witch. Yeah. I, I will say I will say that um I mean, it's been quite an experience for me because over the course, by the by the time the whole thing is done, um, I, I have worked with over 100 writers uh, awesome. in, in this project, which is, you know, kind of in and of itself, it's been an experience just for me, the journey of, of putting together the 12 books. I mean, I'm the anchor author for each. And then the yeah. person of the sign is the secondary author to do lived experience. But I rounded up all the people. And wow. Yeah. Yeah. That is extremely overwhelming. Just getting together guests for the podcast, I feel overwhelmed yeah. sometimes. Like <laughs> getting the emails, making sure I responded. Yep. And then I had this glitch going on with Gmail where it wasn't responding oh, from yeah. my phone, even though I was pressing send. Right, right. So I found that out the hard way because I couldn't, you know, I'm like waiting on responses. Then I'm like, wait, where is that send email? It's not there. Oh, yeah. Man. That was pre-Mercury retrograde as well. So well, and and, and Mercury's going retrograde as we speak or today, right? Yes. Yeah. And uh, actually, yeah, actually, like two hours, I think. Yeah, and, and actually for the purpose of this recording, it's actually a good thing. Oh, please explain something good about Mercury retrograde. <laughs> okay. But here's the thing where being a witch helps, where being a magical person helps. So uh, imagine that we've got a big uh, piece of newsprint. Like, say we're in front of a class, we're about to scribble on it with a marker, right? You know how that paper is so, so absorbent? Yeah. So if you're making a line and you're moving smoothly and quickly, it's a it's a nice line. If you pause or stop, come to a stop, the ink begins to well out from the yeah. point of the felt tip into the paper and it just expands. Well, when Mercury goes retrograde, it's like the Mercury energy is seeping into the environment as it comes to a stop. So the actual day of Mercury retrograde, yeah, you've got to be careful with Mercury retrograde, yada, yada. But if you are a witch you can summon and tap into Mercury energy more easily the day of the stations. Uh, okay. Oh, that's fascinating. Is there something to the the day before? Because I posted something about Mercury uh, is coming tomorrow, and a lot of people were upset yesterday. <laughs> like they had bad days. The, the people refer to it as the shadow. Uh, shadow when, yeah. but, but, but let's think, think of it this way. I, I like to compare it to things that everybody's aware of. So let's pretend, and I'm actually a morning person, so uh, I do see sunrise quite often. Uh, your mileage may differ. <laughs> <laughs> so when is it officially dawn? Mm. I mean, scientifically and civil law will tell you this is when it's officially sunrise. Right. But then, you know, it begins to lighten up before the sun is over the horizon. Is it sunrise when it just peaks over the horizon? Is it sunrise when it's halfway through? Is it sunrise when the whole disk is visible? So that there's always um, 
a blurriness. Uh, there's very few things in nature that have a solid sharp edge. True. Yes. So yeah, <laughs> we can say that the station is actually when it pauses and see, appears to back up from our frame of reference. But you know, the process of it slowing down up to that moment is something that is also affecting us. Um, anything mm -hmm. that happens astrologically should be thought of like changes of the day or changes of the seasons. There is a span where things wobble back and forth. Yeah. I like to say that, uh, you know, soon it will fall soon. Well, I hope soon fall will be coming, right? <laughs> yeah. But does that mean that, uh, at least at the time we're recording this, uh, that's what I'm, that's the next big holiday I'm looking towards. Mm -hmm. How about this? If, uh, if it's suddenly officially the autumn equinox, does that mean we're not going to have any more hot days where I live? Nope. It just means that every day after that, the probability of it being cool and crisp increases and the probability of it being hot and steamy decreases. I so like there's always, <laughs> yeah, but there's always a gray zone. So yes. uh, though there's a value in working things exactly, yeah, you feel Mercury retrogrades, all the retrogrades before and after to a degree. And if it hits one of the delicate places in your own personal chart, even more so. Yeah. Yeah. And actually the Venus retrograde that we've been experiencing yeah. throughout the summer has been very good for me. And yeah. it was really nice as a Taurus. And it was nice to read your book during it because mm -hmm. I didn't know that was maybe the cause is a hard word for it, you know, but like the correspondence Influence. of it. It's Influence. There's a word. <laughs> yeah. Like I felt, you know, heightened in these areas and now I can see why. And that was a really good you know, puzzle piece to, to click into place. Hey there, witches. Did you know that there's an entire community out there dedicated to you and your journey? The Rebel Mystic community is a space where I offer my decades of knowledge and experience to witches just like you. I do this through live events, monthly mentoring, monthly rituals, a book club, and other resources like workbook pages and meditations. There is even a complete self-paced course library you can access. Check the link in the show notes to learn more about this community and how to become a member. Blessed be. So how have you seen, I have a question about your years of experience. Awesome. How have you seen astrology and its influence on the craft shift over the years? You know, I'm actually going to say that this is true for almost everything. Um, but, so when, when I got into it, and part of it is also geography where you live, but when I got into it, and uh, by the way, I'm also from the same geogra broad geographic region as Diatima. We're both in the mid-Atlantic states. So it was like we we had overlapping communities. So it was a thing. You know, the astrology was something that was kind of like in the thing expected. You know, you if you're going to be a witch, you're going to pick up X amount of herbalism, X amount of witch stone for what, yada, yada. And you were also going to pick up X amount of astrology. So and then it began to fade. And then nobody, it seemed, was studying astrology. And then it came back into fashion to a degree, and then it came, then it receded. And honestly, the same is true with uh, when I first got into witchcraft, people were all about spells. And then, no, no, we we are all about self development and and uh, spiritual evolution and communing with nature, and we rarely do spells. So, and then it goes back to we are all about the spells again. 
I mean, honestly, it uh, now some things are different. Like I, I remember pagan gatherings and conferences uh, and camp out events before the advent of drumming. Whoa! What'd so, you guys do? Did you chant? Uh, we danced. Dance. We did dance, but here's oh, well, but so here's amazing. the thing. Here's the thing. We uh, one of my most magical memories uh, is from a gathering in Maryland that happened uh, in the eighties, mid eighties, early eighties. And um, there was just the finest, finest rain. So it was more like fog and mist than, than rain. And the moon was out and there was a big fire in the center. And there was a guy with a dulcimer and another guy with a flute and a woman who was just making vocalizations. And we danced a good amount of the night to that. Awesome. So it wasn't oh, music was there, um, but it, it, it wasn't until uh, djembe's and ashikas and the mm -hmm. African drums made their way into the community that suddenly it was all about the drumming and i remember the and low fire spinning exists and suddenly there was fire spinning <laughs> uh, or people discover various things and get excited about it and then it fades out now if i was going to say one thing especially for folks that uh, are moving through life and hope to be around for a long time as a magical person don't sweat it everything that you like will come back into usage and everything that you like will also fall out of usage yeah. Uh, and nothing is ever lost as long as there are people that remember it or books that record enough information so that you can piece it back together later. But I will say that uh, the biggest change I've seen over time, and that's been slow and steady but real, is that when I got involved, the the majority of people were members of Covens, Lodges, Groves, Groups. And now the overwhelming, I'm going to say over 90% of people are solo practitioners or loosely affiliated with uh, other other groups or perhaps something like a networking group or something to that effect. And that has both had, you know, there's both good and bad about that. And, but that's been an ongoing trend. And I've, I've got theories about why that happened. Um, but I don't know if that answered. talk about that too. Yeah, yeah no, that was like, I have more questions, but in the best way, because <laughs> I, I, okay. So I'm, I'm, I'm young. I've been around in the craft for about 10 years mm -hmm. and I am fortunate to be part of an initiatory tradition. So I'm in the, my second degree now, my second degree yep. training with an eclectic fairy tradition company, mm -hmm. fairy F-A-E-R-Y. Yeah, yeah. So, so I'm like, I actually come from Orion Foxwood's lineage. So well, I've known it since he was 18. <laughs> <laughs> oh my gosh, that's amazing. I've never met him. It's so bizarre to me that yeah. I haven't met him because I'm also from your region-ish. I'm from yeah. Amish country in yeah, Pennsylvania. Yeah. So, um, you, and actually you, my, sorry, do speak, what? Do you speak Plattdeutsch? I wish, I wish. <laughs> but my babysitters growing up, like every, yeah. like my friends, at my wedding, I had Amish friends and family yeah. there. So like, very weird. I'm half Greek Egyptian half Pennsylvania Dutch. So it's like, nothing, okay, nothing, a little bizarre. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> so um, anyway, like with this initiatory tradition as my background, I started alone in high school because I kind of had an understanding yeah. that it's difficult to find a group as an underage person. And then <laughs> I found a tradition and now I'm sort of on my own again in Greece. So I've kind of had both experiences mm -hmm. and mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. And there is so much value in having a group and having a community and having a, a structured system. Um, yeah, like you said, there's goods and bads to this like solitary empowerment that we have now. And, and I'm curious to watch what you described, like this ebb and flow, 
see how that's going to shift again. Cause I, I think it is shifting. I think people are looking back towards. Yeah. We were actually just talking about this before we got on today about how newer practitioners coming in don't, don't know what ritual looks like. They don't even know where to start, where to end and what's in the middle. And I think that's one of the elements that a group gives you if you're, you know, the initiatory or not, even if it's just a teaching coven or mm-hmm. grow or a public ritual. Yeah, yeah. A public ritual. Like it gives you that structure of, okay, what do I do next? How do I end this? How do I start this? <laughs> and and if, if of all the things, I think that the biggest problem that I've observed, I'm going to go to the problem end for a moment is, mm-hmm. is exactly what you're talking about. There are very few places where people can experience full-blown actual intense magical ritual um so here, here's here's one of the mistakes that i've seen over the years uh, man i'm going to start at the beginning i'm sorry i've got to tell the long version of the story i can't tell any other way please please tell it all right so let's start with why we made this trend into into mostly solitary and then and that explains a lot of it so when I got involved, it was not easy to find groups and teachers because the d- internet didn't exist and yada yada. But they, but there were still enough teach. The ratio of people that have been around for many years and were initiates compared to people coming in was reasonable. Then a ton of books became available. Bookstores started to pop up, and, that, and then eventually the internet did it in a different way. And the number of people entering or looking to enter the community exceeded the number of teachers that could possibly add one more student or one more person that they would actually give proper attention to. And I'm going to make a difference between teachers with a small T and teachers with a capital T. Teachers with a small T are all the people that you pick up stuff for their books or go to their workshops, yada, yada. Teacher with a capital T means that you have an agreement with each other and that they're actually mentoring and monitoring what you're doing and giving you real feedback and also have expectations about what you're going to do with what you're learning. So most people don't have a capital T, though they may have lots of small T's. But what happened is we were flooded. There was no way that uh, you could you you could teach all the people or find people. And groups can't take that many people in at once or else they lose their own cohesion. So then what happened was people decided, well, we can't wait. And it takes years to make a teacher. So there was no way to to make it happen. So people started teaching what they'd learned to each other, or people who had gotten a little bit of training then went forth and started teaching. And there was basically a diminishment of expectations about what you what was out there because you never had access to the real stuff. And even the public rituals tended to be, and honestly, even though I'm a great proponent of the value of books for preserving knowledge, you know, a, a book is like looking at choreography. Or, or a music score when you only halfway read them. unless you, But if you've experienced that dance, or if you've heard that song and you look at the music, it's easy to read the music because you yeah. can. So unless you actually have the experience of being in ritual with people that know how to do ritual, it's really hard to pick up on how to do it. There are prodigies that you know have music born in them uh, and have ritual born in them, but they're rare and far between. And at public rituals and gatherings and conferences, two big problems happen. One is people were afraid to scare people or to blow their pants off or to <laughs> melt, melt their brains. So, so that there was a tendency to make make rituals that were basically not rituals, but public ceremony. Yeah. 
and you have to keep their attention too. So, you know, going into really deep stuff, you lose you, the majority so, of your group. Yeah. So, there, so, so, so people water things down for, mm-hmm. in many public rituals for, for many reasons. And then there's, then, then the second problem crept in at least a gen, at least two generations of, of modern pagans. And I'll use that word because we, otherwise I'm going to say the polytheists and the, and the reconstructionists. I mean, yeah, there's a long list of, I'm queer and it's, it's, it would be, there would be more letters in, in our, in our acronym if we tried to make one up. So, so the deal is that, that then people said, it's just not possible to do public ritual that's powerful and intense because that only happens inside small group ritual or in a group that's all trained together. So that, so they all, so there's almost, almost it's been given up. I mean, occasionally you'll run into a public ritual. Um, to you, I'm going to use the, the proper language that does not suck, <laughs> but for the most part, <laughs> for the most part, going to public ritual, opening ceremonies, closing ceremonies, quote unquote, main ro- rituals at event are basically a, a like a, the, the fast food Chinese at the airport instead of proper Chinese food. <laughs> vaguely, sense, yeah. Vaguely remember it vaguely resembles Chinese food, but not much. Some of the flavors are there. Yeah. Some of the flavors. <laughs> you, can tell what, you can tell what they're aiming at, but that's yeah. about it. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. The one exception I've found to yeah, like missing not everybody not, you know, knowing each other. And and that kind of element makes it challenging. The one exception I had was a in bulk ritual mm-hmm. with reclaiming in Baltimore. Yeah. It was awesome. It was yep. huge. There was maybe yep. this was pre-COVID. I wonder. I hope they've recovered their numbers since then. But maybe eighty to ninety people were there. Yeah, reclaiming are awesome. Really, yeah. And we were in a Quaker meeting hall, which had amazing yep. energy, and that was like that helps the best. Yeah, you know, it, it's it's not that you can't do it. And I will say that uh, for reclaiming ritual is one of the core reasons for their existence. I mean, for them, if if, if you're not creating an ecstatic experience, you're not doing anything. Though, though, when you said big, I thought it was going to be big. <laughs> you know, 100, 110 people is our normal Yule, public Yule ceremony at our house. Awesome. Wow. That's, big. That's amazing. <laughs> the largest ritual that uh, I was one of the uh, ritualists for, it was a ritual for about 700 people. Wow. I'm moving That's to cool. Delaware. <laughs> Ritual was not held in Delaware, but no, okay, never mind. <laughs> but but uh, but no, it it is possible to do ritual for two people and ritual for you know hundreds of people and have it be meaningful and powerful. Yeah. Uh, but but you have to first take the step of saying, if I am not providing a potentially transformative experience as a public ritual, then why am I doing it? That's a really good point. I actually held my first public ritual mm-hmm. online by necessity to uh, by try to quell. Sorry. Had to, <laughs> had to be online yeah. yes. Online rituals for a couple of years. Yeah, exactly. We learned how to do it, but you know, it's a little different. It um, <laughs> and I, so the purpose was uh, wildfires in Greece, trying to appeal yeah. to the fire elements to bring it down a notch and sure. stop, you know, Stop proliferating them. And it went really well. I was actually impressed with with the turnout. 
But at the same time, and this is like Zoom. So like, I was amazed because I've heard people who have led rituals on Zoom explain this, but I really could feel them contributing the energy. I could feel who was contributing that energy. Some of them were people I knew very well. Some were complete strangers, but I could still tell who was, who was doing what. And then I had a, a piece that became part of like a cycle spell that they could do each night until the new moon to add to this appeal to this fire spirit. It's just a short something to read, light a candle, douse it. And I could feel when people stopped doing it. Mm-hmm. It was absolutely incredible. And I think that's something we don't talk enough about ritual. Mm-hmm. It's we're like a we're like a maypole. I was going to say a tether, but that's way witchier, right? We're like a maple. Like we we have this bit of energy that we're sending out and it stays connected to us and we can clear it and we can do what we want with it later, but we did create it and it's it's so powerful. I'm going to say that, you know, the online ritual experience was something that COVID forced on us. Yeah. And though I was very cranky about it because I really missed in-person ritual, yeah. you know, we, we learned, we coped and, uh, we are still occasionally doing some online rituals for people that uh, are, you know, unable to attend. Yeah. So, uh, I, I think it ultimately was a good learning experience. And it sounds like you also had an experience of uh, how to sense energy in a different way. Yeah. And and I do tarot readings online since maybe the past couple months as well. Yeah. That was another thing I didn't want to do like i i don't know like i've been a luddite this is not my first life you know like i i was born a luddite i don't know what my last life was like that i'm like this yeah like i i refuse to get a cell phone like i I, it's been a long road of these things and i'm 28 years old i don't know but yeah because it's interesting but there's 20 20 years between us and i'm more eager to get online and do things with technology than she is (laughs) i'm like oh we can do that online let's do it (laughs) yeah yeah I, i mean i do it i do it all but reluctantly yeah. um great, but anyway great. now less so because i do understand the internet more now as like a magical conduit than i saw it as before and and like with all things in life like it can become a distraction it can become a toxic part of us it can be a drain on our time mm-hmm. but it also can be a tool that we can use to connect and like for that ritual for example we had seven countries represented we had people from new great. zealand and australia people from the states Many people in Greece in different parts, and Greece has a very, this is a total side note, but it's it's very unacceptable to be a witch here. Like, that's not a word mm-hmm. you would use. And mm-hmm. even Reiki healers have issues. Like, it's crazy, the, the vitriol that gets thrown at people as, we're just doing anything in the alternative realm. It gets roped in with, like, anti-Christian actions here. So right. I was really happy to see so many Greeks able to participate in something, whereas I know if it had been in person, they couldn't they would or wouldn't have. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So, yeah, it definitely has its time and place. And it's interesting how that might evolve the, you know, going back to our conversation on big T teachers. Mm-hmm. How can we facilitate that online? How can we be the best guide for people more than just a little T teacher who you know, we host a workshop, they come, they learn, but how can that be deeper? So I'm, I'm going to add a thing about teachers with a capital T and also uh, in, in, in your, in the introduction for me, uh, the word elder was used. Mm-hmm. And here's, I have a weird feeling about the word elder. So in, in some ways, uh, I only think of myself as an elder to the people in my specific tradition. 
and the 14 covens that are part of it. And, and in, in, in one sense, I think that you, the only way you can be an elder is if you are an elder to an identifiable uh, collection of, of people or a spiritual community. But we also use the word elder, and this is going to say capital E, lower E. We also use the word elder just for anybody who has uh, been around for a good chunk of time and has accrued knowledge. And we also use the word elder for people that are simply uh, high up in their years or in their uh, length of time on the planet. So in, in the pagan, witchy, sorcerer, polytheist, villain, all the other words, community, we also uh, have, and the internet made a difference with this, confused uh, or, or conflated celebrities with elders. Oh, yeah. People or, or, or people that, for example, um, there are people that have written many excellent books that I aim people at and tell my students to read, etc. But they have never run covens, groves, lodges, schools, and so on, so that that is not part of their bag of tricks or their life experience. So that though they may be an excellent resource in the same way that uh, you can point at professors at a college and say, they are excellent in their research or excellent in their teaching of their material, but you wouldn't want them to be your your, your advisor for your dissertation. Right. Because they're not good at, at doing the people thing or how to get the best out of people that way. So <laughs> I, I think that we, um, like, honestly, uh, I have two people that I think of as big the big teachers in my life with a capital T. Uh, one of them is uh, Dolores Ashcroft Nowitzki. She's still alive. The other is Shakma Windrum, Anna Branch, who has passed on. Dolores has written lots of books. Um, Shakma really didn't. I mean, she has like two or three little things that were that were published, but basically the only people who ever bought a copy were her students. So we're talking, you know. And the thing is that uh, nobody has ever heard of Shakma in a real way. Because uh, maybe that'll change in time because she wasn't an author. And currently, the way that people claim. Um, uh, the attention of the community is either by being an author or a content creator online or something of that nature. When I got into it, the way you knew somebody was worthy of approaching as a teacher or thought of them as an elder is because of their connections to community and their years of service in terms of who they taught or what they organized and so on. So we we, we had different criteria. Uh, as to as to what constituted uh, somebody who's uh, a, a worthy person to approach for that purpose, and I got to tell you, not everybody wants to work with human beings in a way that uh, requires that would provide that capital T kind of teacher. And there's some that you absolutely wish had never decided to start a school or a coven because they may be brilliant, but they're downright toxic for their for their students. Right. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, yeah, yeah, it's very true. Yeah. And that's something that like when I when I first began studying, I was really lucky because our librarian was Wiccan. So she had stocked my little that's tiny nice. Amish country library with <laughs> with books I could read right? on this. But but also she hadn't really updated it since I uh, think the newest book was two two thousand three. So it was mm -hmm. 10 years old at that time. And so I wasn't fully aware that there were all these books coming out still. Yeah. 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 So there's like this whole world of like, holy, what Llewellyn has how many books every year, <laughs> you know, and then you find out there's other publishers too. And it, it just yeah. gets expansive mm -hmm. and overwhelming. Mm -hmm. 
Mm-hmm. And actually, I think that is why. And well, to finish my thought on that, I felt blessed because I started with books and then people. Oh. I never really had the content creator influence. But mm-hmm. now some of the questions we get from listeners on the podcast, I can tell they came from they watched a six second video and extrapolated that lack of explanation because six seconds, how much could they have explained? Do, right? Yeah. <laughs> and they felt lost, confused, and then shut down. Yes. That's the biggest questions we get are questions of like, yes. I didn't want to try it because, and it's usually because they, that's it. They, they, that's considered studying in a sense for some people. They see that as them studying the crafts because they, you know, follow certain creators. Right. But there's not a lot of transparency on where this knowledge comes from. Mm-hmm. And the platforms themselves don't enable that conversation okay. either because your video won't get pushed out if it's longer than six seconds. It's, no one's going to watch to completion so that algorithm shuts it down. And then, you know. Yeah, there's there's too many out external variables that in, in they, they hinder the whole process of exploration. And I find that a lot of people that get primarily get their information off of social media and don't take it further, like joining a group or, you know, okay, let me, I saw that book on TikTok. Let me go buy Mm. the book and read the book and then practice what's in the book. Um, Yeah. They're, they're incredibly confused and and terrified to start their path or to start their journey because they don't know what's next. Uh, Yeah. I came from the same school. Like I started with books. Yeah. When I first started, like the internet was almost non-existent. Mm-hmm. So I had no choice but to read and then go seek out groups that were practicing. And um, I w- I'm from California, so I had a choice. Like it, there was a lot more choice than there is out here on the East Coast from wh- where I'm at. Mm-hmm. And it, it was helpful because I got to learn from both sides of it. So I got to, oh, okay, so that's what they meant in that book. Now I get to do it in a ritual. I get to right. do it with a group and and discover its nuances. I, you know, I, oddly enough, I'm going to say that my first encounter was with books as well. Okay. Um, my uh, my father, uh, well, he's retired, but he was a professor at the University of Delaware, which meant as his kid, I got the magic library card that allowed me to get into the university library nice. <laughs> and interlibrary loan. So I read all sorts of stuff when I was in high school. Though most of it was, I'm going to put in the category of oldie moldy ceremonial <laughs> magic kind of stuff because... Yeah. That's what you know. You could easily find on the shelves, or find a way to search for it. Because if you don't know how to ask the right question to search for something, you can't find it. Right. But I'd read those sorts of things, and eventually that led me to you know hear about a few other things. I was also um, uh, really involved in science fiction, fantasy stuff. Uh, I actually started the high my, the club at the high school I was at for that, which meant that when I was a teenager, I was going to cons. <laughs> now, that also meant that I met a variety of people at conventions that had some kind of metaphysical practice. So I began to pick up vocabulary and whatnot. But my big breakthrough moment, and I've told this story in a lot of places, but it's just so magical, I have to tell it. So I, uh, my high school was right next door to the college. As a kid, I was not really into sports. I was into wandering in the woods, but I was not into sports. And my parents insisted you have to do something that's a sport, you know, sound mind, sound sound body, yada, yada. So I got permission to walk off the high school campus and go fence at the University of Delaware because, you know, fencing is cool. All right. So been fencing, enjoyed it. 
was changing in the locker room. One of the one there was a grad student there to my eyes looked ancient because you know I was a kid and they were in grad school. And as they were changing, out from underneath his t-shirt pops this little silver pentacle that I see for a moment before he quickly tucks it away. Uh-huh. And I immediately go, oh, so are you Gardnerian? Are you Alexandrian? Is there a local group? Yada, yada. And, and he was like, please, please, can we take this outside? Because, you know, he didn't want to be like outed if anybody else walked into the locker room. So he went outside and he basically said, hey, uh, you're too young. No reputable group's going to take you. But he said, give me a pile of self-addressed stamped envelopes, which were, you know, the currency of the era. Uh, basically, and, and, and I will make sure that you get the email, uh, rather the... Uh, newsletter from our coven and when you turn 18 um if there's a public event we're doing you can show up now that that was before the era of the of the pagan outdoor gathering um so what they were doing was they were getting together in public parks where there are pavilions and just saying you know and having a picnic and talking about witchy things so i actually did get to meet people very early on but they were all still you know uh, far away most of them were hours or or two or three hours away, which is still too much at that moment in my life. So I, but, but, but that did give me a toehold so that I understood these are the kinds of groups that are in my area. And I, and with that, I learned the right questions to search for the right knowledge. That's an awesome story. Yeah. I love that introduction like that. And also that's like a mark of a really good group that they were like, Nope, you're underage. Nope. Mm-hmm. Because nope. We've we've had episodes where we've talked about like witchy red flags. Like that is one. Like you just can't train underage people unless unless their parents in the group. Like okay, right? That, yeah, that's, that's a different, different. story. Uh, we we bent the rule and once. Rare. Yeah, we bent the rule once for for uh, one one young pup. Uh, he was sixteen, and uh, we were having open classes, so his mom would come. Okay, yeah. <laughs> nice. Yeah. And, and sat in. And she, she sat in on like about four of the classes, and she was like really bored. So she was like, okay, I've been here four times. I'm writing you a letter that that Adam can continue to attend the the remaining classes in the series without me. Are you going to be okay with that? And I said, yeah, we're okay. That's good. Yeah. Yeah. She'd seen enough. So she was like, it's fine. (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) She's like, I can't tolerate this. I need to go. (laughs) At least she she didn't hate it, but she was just like, I'm just sitting here. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Not her interest. How? In, in not her interest at all. Yeah. <laughs> That's amazing. I yeah. I love I love the evolution. You know, looking mm-hmm. and hearing about how you started, and it's similar to, to how I started too, because we didn't, you know, couldn't go into a chat room or a Facebook group right. and find these people. Like you had to be almost covert about it. Because if you were in a bookstore, so this is this is kind of how one of the ways that I started finding people was I would go into the bookstore, I would sit in the occult section and I'd find whatever book, you know, yep. fancied me at the time. And I would sit and wait for people to come in. <laughs> Literally, like I'm stalking the book section, the section yep. of the bookstore to find people to see you know get get a sense of them and see if they were open to like talking about it and if they knew of any groups in the area that sort of thing um and yeah it, so it's like we had to be really kind of <laughs> sleuthy about it you know? very, very much so yeah yeah 
I mean, honestly, in, in, in my era, it's still true, but it was more important back then and perhaps even a slightly higher percentage. The other places that you could find uh, people that were magically inclined uh, was, of course, the Ren Fairs. Unfair. I knew you were going to say that. <laughs> that is actually it's true. how I found my coven is it's through the true. Ren Fair. <laughs> and, and, uh, and, and actually, uh, it's not that kind of organization now, but at the Society for Creative Anachronism, the SCA was founded by uh, pagans. Okay, yeah. Actually, the pri- one of the primary founders for SCA was uh, Diana Paxson. Oh, wow. Okay. You probably encountered her books somewhere. Yeah. 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 It's been a while, oh, but what yeah. a small world. So, yeah. so yeah, th- that was the, there was another thing in that, in that era, uh, which is something we don't have now as easily, which is why it's important to, even if you don't want to, not everybody wants to be in a group or they're not really joiners. Right. However, um, there's no reason why you can't have a discussion group or a local networking group that serves the following purpose. Because when I, when we, the first time one of our, uh, in my first cabin, the first time one of our members was moving out of, out of the state and across the country, we, pa- we put out some, some word to other people that we knew. Can you ask and see who we might recommend them to when they arrive in their new place? Sure. And there was actually a better way because you were also getting people that knew people that knew people so they could vouch for the quality or the safety yes. of the referral, which is something that you can't actually tell online. Yeah. Unless unless you yeah, have interaction, really nice. definitely. Yeah. yeah. Unless you've had enough interaction. So so that you know it, it used to be a bigger thing that uh, there was there was amount of, the amount of safety that you could find in actually long term connection or correspondence with people that then led to um, resource sharing and also if something bad happened it was uh, spread in the community not that mm-hmm. not that that's necessarily a good thing when it turns into gossip but it was also good to know that if somebody was a bad actor that the word would go out sure. yeah yeah I think that's I don't know. We have a good network online, actually, of of within the community. I think we do a good job of of spreading the right kind of information. And actually, in some ways, the online thing mm-hmm. it actually diminishes gossip because you're not all in the room, like you know, filling space with like, oh, and you know what? I have to say, I did hear the other. Like, <laughs> you know, it has to be direct. So I don't know. Maybe it's just my circles, but you know it. I'm I'm just going to say that that for me, uh, I I will I take everything with several grains of salt or a salt lick if it's from somebody I've never known in person. If I haven't met them in in in, in physical space, I have not been in their energy in the same way. Um, I have not gotten a read on them, and also I take a long. T- I mean, I'm I'm friendly and gregarious with pretty much everybody, but I take a long time before I decide I will trust their judgment. Sure. Yeah. Now, if I could wave a magic wand and make something happen uh, in the broader community, cross training. Mm. Now, what I'm let me say what I mean by that. Most of the occultists I know that are really uh, the ones I admire are the ones that have trained in multiple systems and multiple traditions. Now, um, the most people that I know right now are self-taught or or have have had teachers, but there's not like somebody who has created a curriculum for them that they're following and that they're being tested on to, to use that comparison. And 
what people choose to learn is much like 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 I have a terrible sweet tooth. So I know how I should eat. I'm a vegetarian. I eat my veggies. I eat all the right things. And if I did left to my eat what you what you crave most, I would be <laughs> nothing but ice cream and chocolate and <laughs> and I would, I would eat a lot of fruit too. But basically, it would not be a balanced diet. Yeah. I like broccoli, but I'm going to use broccoli as an example. So a proper curriculum should be like a balanced diet. It should include everything that is useful, but it also will include things that you have zero interest in or zero palate for. And to be really well-rounded magically, you have to study things that you don't care about, that it's not doesn't make you passionate. You don't have to stay there forever, but you have to know enough of it. That makes sense. Yeah. And that usually takes a teacher going, you will do this because it's on the list of requirements for. <laughs> yeah, <why>? it's true. <laughs> we talked about that, how like as our practices have developed, we kind of peel away the stuff we were taught because it just doesn't resonate, like especially lots of tools and having a huge altar space and some of the things that were more ceremonial just yeah, don't. Yeah resonate it, with me now but the, 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 I'm, I'm gonna say that in the same way that the broader community goes through waves that probably over the course of my life and probably over the course of your life you'll go through different waves of what's what you're drawn to and, and what you're not drawn to yeah. i mean that's just normal we, we we ebb and flow we we change in lots of different ways on an individual scale and in a, in a global scale but but i will say that um when i was first coming up the magical tools were like the first pentacle I owned, I knew the guy that made it, who, who was the silversmith, who was also mm -hmm. a witch, because you couldn't just go and buy it at a store. Right, yeah. Uh, my first wand was a branch that I found in the woods that felt right. Mm -hmm. um, so most things were either handmade or or uh, bought at bought at an antique store and repurposed. Uh, in, in my era, the way you could tell that women were witches was not was because they were wearing a lot of Art Nouveau jewelry. <laughs> <laughs> Seriously, because it was the it was the thing that you could find for sale yes. at thrift shops and and whatnot. Yeah, yeah. And and, and it was gotta see enough. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> I, I still love Art Nouveau too. Yeah. I, I do, do associate it, and maybe that's a relic, like a a relic of. It, it probably is. It yeah. probably. Is. Yeah. Because pretty much every witch I knew in the, back in that era, that's what they wore, uh, because it was what you could find that resonated properly. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. And then eventually onks became a thing. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, they seem to have really faded out. I don't know. It used to be a thing. It used to be, yeah. Yeah. And the the one store I used to go to in in San Diego when I lived out there it was called the Psychic Eye. And of course I know it was the story. Eye of Horus, you know. <laughs> but yeah, a lot of my stuff is still secondhand. I don't buy a whole lot of if I buy anything, I don't buy a whole lot of new stuff. I mean, even my furniture is all secondhand. And I, I, I don't know. There's something about going to an antique store and finding those little gems. <laughs> well, you know, and also if somebody has a magical tool that you go, you kind of like raise your eyebrow at it. <clears throat> don't take away their magic moment. Right. There was a, a, a woman who uh, was coming to a couple of my classes, not a member of my group. And she's a city dweller. I'm, this is an important thing to say. Okay. <laughs> I, I live out in the country. Um, I live across from a state forest. I'm 
literally, you know, the nearest person uh, to me who is not a member of one of our covens is three miles away. That's kind oh, of thing. Nice. Okay. <laughs> All right. So she says, I found this thing when I was outside and it has this intense energy coming off of it. And I've been using it on my altar. I don't know what it is, but it feels really magical. And, and she brings it out and shows it to me. And I go, oh, yeah, it does have some really intense energy coming off it. And I'm going, yes, because you've been working it really hard and you believe in it. It was a giant milkweed pod. <laughs> okay. <laughs> but she didn't know what a milkweed pod looked like. No. For her, it was this strange, exotic, powerful, magical goblin plant that she found in the woods. <laughs> oh, that's nice. sweet. And she doesn't normally go to the woods, so it's so that my and and that had more juice on that milkweed pod that she had on her altar had more juice on it than many many other people's tools that I've seen or experienced over the years. So so there's also a value in, in found magic wherever it wakes up and says, "Hey, I'm for you." Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, and and the spirit of that plant, I mean, that connected with absolutely. her. Absolutely. So yeah, that connection absolutely. is essential. And her not knowing what it was added to the magic. Added to it, yeah. Mm -hmm. yeah. And and milkweed is an incredibly mystical it is. plant. I and so her picking up on that was a, a good yep. it's a good yep. sign. Yep. I think it's nice how my favorite trend in the recent years is folk magic coming back to the forefront. I, I don't know, I wasn't there, but I feel like it used to have a sort of like, you know, you know, nose turned up sort of thing towards like yeah. That kind of simpler practice. Right. Um, so I've really enjoyed that. And and my the basis for my practice now is working with land spirits and yep. just nature, just straight to the source. Like when I meet a new herb, it's because I came across it and I'll spend time with it before I hit the Google or use a plant app to figure out exactly what it is. I won't eat it or anything either, but <laughs> I'll meditate with it. You know, get to know it that way. <laughs> She's over here handling Jimson weed and licking it. <laughs> Not today, please. No, not today. <laughs> no, that's a weird thing. I mean, though, I say that that's another example of something that comes in and out because, like, uh, there was some we hadn't. This was obviously pre-COVID because our house was filled with people from and uh, from uh, f that were there for a uh, ritual that we were doing, an audience with the ancestors ritual that we do every Samhain or close to Samhain. And there was this uh, young guy. I'm going to guess somewhere in their mid twenties that was there, and. He was very much into the folk magic slash the current, what's currently called traditional witchcraft. And he noticed leaning, leaning against the wall by my altar, a stang. And he was kind of shocked. Mm -hmm. There's a stang there. It's like, you know, what, you know, are you, are you involved in, you know, yada, yada, yada. And do you do this? And he, you, and he listed authors he's read and stuff he has. And, and I, and he said, and I said, mm, so. I've had that stang since the eighties. Um, so it, it predates those authors. But, but what I said was when I became a witch, those kinds of things were kind of popular and then they fell out of usage and now they're coming back. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And how much focus is uh, put on gods and goddesses versus nature spirits also waxes and wanes over mm -hmm. time. The only thing I think is different and, and permanently different, and this is back, I'm circling back to astrology on this one. So we're slowly but surely entering the age of Aquarius. Yes. 
And remember I said earlier how when we make a transition from one thing to another, it's it's a it's a blurry area in between. Yeah. Ages are long periods of time. So that the gray zone where where we're in the dawn or dusk part of it lasts for decades. So when we cross over officially is 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 decades away in, in terms of being fully present, that's the only thing that's present. But in the age of Pisces, Pisces wants everything to be united and connected. We are one. The age of Aquarius is, nah, I want everything to be unique and separate and different, like and everything being its own strand and and absolutely unique and separate. So it's like going, I'll use Billboard magazine because it's my favorite thing. Billboard magazine, for folks that don't know what that is, is the (laughs) magazine and online web presence that is about keeping track of which songs are popular. Originally, fully in the age of Pisces, there was one list for the top hits. And then it was like five genres, and then it was 20 genres, and now it's over 80 genres. So, and as if you ask anybody what kind of music you listen to, chances are you may never have heard of their kind of music, or you know it exists, but you but you weren't aware of it in a in real sense. In the age of Pisces, whether or not you liked the music, you knew what was popular, even what, regardless of what you listened to. The further we move into the age of Aquarius, the more individuation, fragmentation, splitting into a thousand separate little strands of possibility. So that the other thing is that the watching to see those trends like the ones I was mentioning will become less clear because there will be more mutation. There will mm-hmm. be more experimentation. But it's hard to know which of those will survive and which of those will fade out or or be absorbed by something else. Explains a lot. <laughs> yeah. It explains a lot in my taste of music anyway. You know, I go from electro swing to psychedelic funk. So I love electro swing. <laughs> yeah. Literally you, like the genre also, I listen to. Yeah. Sorry. Yeah. No, go ahead. What what genres do you listen to? It it's called shoegaze and bedroom pop. Shoegaze. Yeah, yeah. Okay, so I was like, no one's gonna know what I'm. Okay. Listeners are probably like, what the, what happened to rock? What's you know? going on? Like- <laughs> well, I, but, but I also like Gothabilly. Oh, <laughs> oh yeah. That see that, that one. That's a uh, more my husband's style. Every now and then I hear that coming through his headphones. I'm like, yeah. all right, keep it on the headphones. <laughs> I love it. I love it. But but the thing is, I'm using music as a, as an example because music is almost like its own tradition. Mm-hmm. Music doesn't come with yeah. just music. There's usually an associated style of, of how you dress or what you do with your hair or your makeup yeah. or whatever. And, and there's a whole aesthetic associated uh, with, with it. And so I think what's happening is that we have a broader range of traditions forming and also a broader ranges of aesthetics about what a magical person's lifestyle looks oh, like. Yeah. Oh, yeah, definitely. Yeah. It, oh, when well, when I was growing up as a, a baby witch, I'm going to use the air quotes on that. The, yep. You know, to be a witch, you had to, you know, have the black hair, the black nails, the black makeup, the whole goth look, which I didn't mind. I like it. I like but, goth. Yeah. But at the same time, it's, that was never me. I was always kind of the chameleon of the group. So so going through my little baby witch stage, like I was either, you know, I would hang out with the jocks or I'd hang out with the cheerleaders. And then I was over here with the the drama club. And then I was over here with the goths and then I was over here with the preppy kids, you know, so none of it ever really suited me. So like this whole transition of like taking, evolving my path from the ceremonial style um, 
ed- education and, and initiations that I went through and moving it toward the folk mm-hmm. and the more earthy, just come what may almost style. It, there's definitely, it, it's harder to structure, yeah. um, but yeah. it's more suiting to how I like, Oh, shiny. Ooh, let's go do that. Let's go try that. Let's go try that. You know, <laughs> Great. I think that's okay. Yeah, no, there's nothing wrong. And here's the thing, uh, and, and and something that I do uh, every whenever we roll around to a year that uh, is a zero year or a five year mm. ends in zero or ends in five, I make that the year that I force myself to listen to music that I've never heard before, read books that I wouldn't otherwise read. Awesome. Basically, you know, it's 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 the force yourself to reacquaint yourself with the world and what's going on, and also see if there's new things that you might want to do or like. And I've been doing that for a really long time. And actually, I'll blame Anne Rice for it. Okay. <laughs> One of the things that stuck with me when I was uh, young and reading uh, the vampire books for the first time mm-hmm. was that the vampires that didn't make it were the ones that lost touch with the with the times. Yeah. Huh, that, right. that fell out of sync with the times that they were living in. So I said, well, that's never going to happen to me. <laughs> <laughs> I'm never going to die. <laughs> Well, I am, I am. But, um, but but uh, while I'm here, I would like to like to be fully present in the flow of the world. And but the only way that happens is if you make yourself do it. Um, it, it otherwise, it's very easy to to uh, um, be comfortable and and yeah. uh, not challenged by anything new. Yeah, I'm going to say something that fell out of usage, and maybe it's time to revive it. In that interim period, uh, when uh, Groups were couldn't keep up with new members, and the population of new magical folks was growing real fast. For a while, people used to do this, um, and I attended several of these at, at conference, hotel-based conferences, and also at campout events, where someone will say, "Look, I've been at this a while. I don't have teachers or a group. Um, I'm going." And, and basically, they or they and their friends would write a initiatory ritual, and then they would recruit people that they trusted. That were friends or or rituals that they trusted to take part and do the roles in the ritual. So it was kind of like a, a self initiation on steroids. Yeah, you basically had some, wrote something or help had other people help you write something, and then you recruited people that had the magical chops to actually have because initiation is a transformative experience. And there are many places that that they weren't initiating into a line, but they were asking themselves to be transformed by whatever powers they worked with or believed in. Yeah, that's That's something we can still do for each other, for those that are not part of such things. So if there was one piece of advice, or as many as you want, really, but if there's advice you would like to give to baby witches, to the newer witches out there who are... New witches, yes. <laughs> New witches, I know. I know people love hate, that word. I don't. <laughs> I know it's it's. I, I and, and 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 I cringe when I hear witchling. <laughs> oh, I forgot about that one. <laughs> it's been a that's while okay. for that that's one. A, yeah, it's only okay for ten years old. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah. You're an actual child of witches, perhaps. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um. Yeah. What's your, what's your advice? And feel free bring it back to the astrology conversation. <laughs> In this case, you know, I don't. It won't necessarily. I mean, honestly, uh, um, it's stupid in some ways, but I'm going to say as much as I think everybody should learn a little bit about everything. Mm. Here's the thing. 
if it's a if it's a way of thinking, if it's a particular paradigm, a particular set of symbols or whatever, learn one thing fully before you move on to the next. And the example I usually give for this is, uh, so pretend that tomorrow you were signing up for classes for the next semester at college. And you've decided, oh, it would be useful to, to do my foreign language requirement or I'm going to need foreign languages. So next semester, I'm going to take Spanish and Italian at the same time. Or Spanish and French. Let's go with that. Or, worse, Ooh. worse, worse, worse. <laughs> Spanish and Portuguese at the same time. Oh man! <laughs> but here's the problem. You know, and there, I'm, I couldn't name any combination of Romance languages. They are close enough, yes, so that you would confuse the hell out of yourself. Mm-hmm. You would end yeah. up blending them, and there'd be like this bleed over between them, and you would not be able to uh, actually hang on to either language well in the future. A lot of magical systems have enough bleed over with each other. So what is with enough bleed, a lot of magical systems have enough bleed over with each other that what you need to do is fully understand and fully incorporate into your knowledge or into your gut. This is the way that works before adding something that is its cousin. So it's, and it's not, I'm, I'm not saying don't learn all the things. But I'm saying some things are best digested on their own before you go on to things that are way similar, but actually not quite the same. And it's the differences that matter. Yeah. Yeah, that's very good advice. And that's actually some of the questions we get, too, is like, I feel really overwhelmed. Where do I start? And that's usually what I say is one thing. You know, like herbs, people buy those kits on Amazon, which that's another, you know, who knows where they came from, these herbs, but they have like 75 to 200 (laughs) herbs in there. Yeah, yeah. whether they're even the herbs that they're labeled to be. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Yes. Yes. It's all dandelion, but whatever. (laughs) No, but but it's, it's, people have to remember, if you actually, if this is actually who you are, rather than a passing fancy being involved in something magical, you're going to be interested in learning stuff for decades and decades and decades if, with as many years yes. of life as you're blessed with, right? Yeah. So you've got time. You you don't have to do, you're not catching up with anybody. You're not trying to compete with anybody in the world. And there are always going to be people that are ahead of you and people that are behind you. Yeah. Well, and and not to compare ourselves either. Yeah, no, we're shouldn't. all on a different path. And my yeah. path is not the same as yours. It's not the same as Elise. And what I tell my students is mm-hmm. when they come to me, like, I want to learn everything. Like, how am I supposed to know all this stuff? You're, you Well, it's too much for one lifetime for one. But if True. you're really interested in a subject, spend a minimum of 30 days working with it every single day. And then it'll really give you an idea. Of, do you really like that? Is that something you want to do and continue with? If it is, then Great. go for it. Can it, Keep it in your rotation of things mm-hmm. you learn. Uh, if it's not, then move on to the next thing and find the next thing. And I've, I've had a lot of pushback on that from, from some of my students. Like, oh my gosh, that's a lot of dedication. I'm like, well, that's what this path is. It's an active path. We're not passive sitting in the, the audience just absorbing and observing. This is an active yeah. path. Yeah. <laughs> And 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 uh, you also have to keep up with it, or else you rust. Yeah, <laughs> the whole use it or lose it. <laughs> it. It's true. It's a forever student path, you know. It is a forever student path. Yeah, and 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 if that's not the case, then something's wrong. Um, I, I will say that one of the ways that I begin to develop opinions about uh, about other teachers 
is when I'm at a conference or a gathering, I pay attention to, are they going to other people's classes? That's, that's a, that's a, that's a check mark. Nice. Yep. That's good. This is good. Yeah. Yeah. And if they're not yeah. doing that, then I say, are, oh, okay, there are other ways to do this. Are they sitting around the lobby having long, complicated conversations with, with other people about magic? Okay, they're still learning in a different way. But the point is, I, I look for evidence that the person is still an active learner or whether they, they've begun to fossilize. Yeah, <laughs> I like that. Uh, yeah, I'm yeah, going to start keeping that yeah. in mind when I go yeah. to conferences and stuff like that, because I, I hate small talk. <laughs> it bores the crap out of me. I want to talk about the deep stuff. I yeah. want to find the people who are willing to dig in and really get, you know, some. And, and where else are you going to find them? Right. <laughs> I yeah. like that. Yeah, to yes. me, that would be the biggest incentive to go to a conference yes. so that you can right. have time with people. Like we, I always say, I feel like this is our approach on the podcast in general. Like we're here yeah. to be proven wrong. You know, we don't really have a right. stance on anything that we're, <laughs> you know, selling, but, but like, if we bring up a subject and you're like, well, actually, like, that's what we're here for. We're here for the well, actually, because, you know, I don't, nobody should just be looking for an echo chamber. Right. Yeah. Because we know that the the only good, that that only leads to one place and it's not good. (laughs) Mm, I think we have plenty of echo chambers. We don't need any more. Yeah. We don't need any more. Yeah. Not in this path. Exactly. That's why we're (laughs) on this path. Yeah. (laughs) <laughs> to get out of those chambers. <laughs> awesome. You may have noticed that here at the Magic Kitchen Podcast, we don't have sponsored ads. That's because this is a fully listener-supported show. We do what we do for you, dear listener, And when you join my Magical Living community on Patreon, you're supporting all the time and energy that goes into setting up podcast interviews, writing articles and rituals, my paranormal mystery novel, and all that I do. And in exchange, you're getting over 10 exclusive journal prompts, rituals, witch tip videos, meditations, and more each month. If you love this podcast, consider joining my magical space. I can't wait to meet you and be an even bigger part of your magical journey. Go to patreon.com slash Elise Wells or follow the link in the show notes. Is there anything you want to tell our listeners about where they can find your books beyond your website? We'll put your website in the so, description as well. So uh, I'm going to encourage, well, evodominguezjr.com is easy to find, but I'm going to encourage you to, if you have a local bookstore, please buy your books at the local bookstore. I know you can get a little bit cheaper online, but um, having having a real world outpost for magical people in your community matters more. So buy your local stores if you can. If you live in a place where that's not possible, sure, use online. And the other thing is, look me up. I'm going to be teaching at a lot of conferences. So if you see me at a conference, go for it. I love conversations. Um, and uh, I, I really am easy to sit down and just talk about anything. And if you read my books, um, I want you to know that in my mind, they are one giant book. Over the course of my life, I hope to write, uh, you know, more and more chapters in the things that I've learned along the way. But in my mind, they're all one big book. And that might make you read all of them, I hope. <laughs> yeah, I know I will. I'm already four yes. into the Witch's Sunset series. The books. So. <laughs> read all the books. Keep them coming. <laughs> yeah, well, awesome. as long as I can, I will be. <laughs> Excellent. Merry meet 
Mary part, and And Mary meet again. Thank you for joining us on the Magic Kitchen Podcast. Please visit my website, leandrawitchwood.com, for news, information, and more episodes. I'm Elise Wells, and I can be found at Seeking Numina on YouTube, Instagram, and Facebook, and SeekingNumina.com. That's Seeking, N-U-M-I-N-A.